Hey everybody, welcome to the season finale, season seven of the Matt Report, with none other than Michelle Shulp. And you probably know Michelle from her ventures to WordCamps far and wide, uh, across the country, maybe even Europe. Not sure if she actually went there yet, but uh, a really amazing guest. A lot of folks know her in the community, and if you're thinking about going to a WordCamp, heck, if you're thinking about getting out of your seat to engage people and find uh, new business partners, new customers, this is the episode for you. This has been one of the best seasons I've ever put together, uh, in my humble opinion. If you agree, head on over to iTunes, uh, search for Matt Report or WordPress Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Helps us get found, helps us stay on top of WordPress Podcast, which I super appreciate. And I'm actually looking for video testimonials. I'm putting together a trailer for the YouTube channel. If you fancy yourself in a 30-second, 45-second feedback video that you can put together, something that says... I really enjoy listening to the Matt Report because, or here's a big, huge lesson that I've learned because of the Matt Report. I'd love to get that in video format uh, so I can cobble this thing together and put together a nice little intro video uh, for the YouTube channel. Just send it to me at mattreport.com slash contact. Uh, I might edit it up and sort of cut out some pieces there, but if you're cool being on camera and being on the YouTube channel, shoot that on over. I really appreciate it. Season seven is a wrap, but let's get into this episode with Michelle. I am a designer and front-end WordPress developer located in Minneapolis. I'm originally from the Chicago area. That's where I got my start in the WordPress community. Uh, and I am, I'm fully independent, so I don't have any employees. I do contract with agencies. I do work with other peers on projects, and I do a lot of my own projects as well. Uh, like I said, design and front-end development my background's in design. That's what I went to school for, uh, which I, I, on a side note, I kind of think me and maybe like two other people in the whole industry actually have a degree relevant to what we're doing. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I started out in design. As I found WordPress, I got more and more into front-end development, and now I probably spend at least 75% of my time in a text editor. So... Yeah. Awesome. I, I'm going to throw the curveball already. I know we sort of talked a little bit before the show about sort of the direction I would take it, but I'm interested in something that you said. Um, you're you're an independent uh, contractor slash consultant slash freelancer, but you almost said it like, this is the line in the sand. Like, I don't want employees. I don't want a team. Is, is that something that's totally out of the question? This is purpose built? Like, you like working as the solo agent, if you will. Um, tell us about that. Why, why that model versus a virtual team or connecting with other people and formulating this sort of, you know, agency style of business? Yeah, it actually is a very deliberate choice. And I've given a couple talks to that effect at a few freelance conferences. Um, I, I enjoy working with other people. Like I said, I've contracted with agencies. I've worked alongside peers, but I don't want to grow my own business Partly because I know I'm actually a really terrible manager, um, but partly because I've made some really deliberate choices as to the particular lifestyle I want to live and why I'm in business for myself. And and growing a business is kind of counter to that. So um, being independent allows me to stay agile, stay flexible, um, work fewer hours, be able to do stuff like travel, take time out of the day to work out. All that stuff is really, really important to me personally. Um, obviously, I'm friends with a lot of extremely successful business owners of varying sizes, you know, national, international businesses. Um, 
and what they've done is amazing and I respect them very much. I just, it's, it's not for me. I've made kind of a different choice as to what, what's important to me and it makes me very happy. So it is, it is a line in the sand. That's very true. I'm, I'm like defensive about it a little, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, re I respect that stance as well because there's, there's just a lot of crap <laughs> that goes on with running your own business. And as soon as you hire, uh, you know, another mouth to feed or you partner up with somebody, you're just, there's just so much overhead that gets thrown at this stuff. And, you know, Sometimes, uh, you know, as we're sort of traversing the, the, the land out there and, and looking at other people like, wow, yeah, I guess it would be nice to run this small uh, little virtual, uh, you know, boutique agency or grow to, you know, the sizes of, of a 10 up and, and beyond. But then it's like, nah, I don't, I don't want to get uh, onto a plane and have to, you know, push uh, for big clients just to make the payroll. Uh, so I, I definitely commend you on on you know, not wanting to uh, pursue that maybe, or at least maybe for right now, maybe in the future. You sure. I think um, most business decisions, whatever, whether you decide to, if you're a freelancer or a small business owner or whatever, um, making your decisions based on the core values of why you went into business in the first place is really, that's how you can make the right decision. If, if you went into business in the first place because you wanted to grow, you wanted to, you had a financial goal, you had a project size goal, awesome. Make those decisions. If you went into business because you want to see your family more, make those decisions. Um, I think that's what keeps everybody happy. Yeah. I think a lot of people need to, uh, prescribe to that kind of, uh, that kind of thinking because, you know, as, as, uh, you know, overemphasized and, and glamorized, I guess is the word I was looking for as an entrepreneur is today with Shark Tank and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and sort of all of these sort of people who make it look like it's easy. They, you know, people haven't seen the run up of the last decade it took for these individuals to make their, their big businesses and even the small businesses in our space. People don't see the build up to where these folks are at today. A lot of people lead with, well, I just want to start a business for money, <laughs> right? I just, I, I just heard you can make a lot of money doing this stuff and I want to be my own boss. And they sort of uh, don't realize all the other overhead. Uh, that's not just uh, dollars and cents. It's just every everything else of, of why you should be running a business. Um, tell us, uh, you, you spend a lot of time uh, traveling to a whole bunch of, of these word camps or, or two word camps uh, where you interact with a whole bunch of business owners and agencies and, and freelancers. I, I'm curious, like, number one, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you make the rounds? Uh, and number two, uh, does, it, has, does it have an ROI that you can you know, put your finger on and say, yeah, I've actually... I've actually got some pretty good return on all of this, uh, uh, all of this flight uh, and hotel expense, uh, expenses. Yeah, um, and especially because as an independent, I am I am paying for it all myself. It, it does get, you know, I do think about it sometimes. Is it worth it? But it is twofold worth it. Um, first of all, WordPress being an open source project, uh, there's a lot of different ways to volunteer to give back. I don't contribute to core with code. I don't, don't contribute to documentation. I don't do a lot of the stuff that's maybe digital or involved in the Slack channel. Uh, but what I have learned is that I'm pretty good at teaching and people seem to enjoy hearing me speak. So on that hand, I really enjoy going to these WordPress events, going to WordCamps, volunteering, even organizing a few of them. Um, because it's my way of giving back to the project. You know, it's kind of my five for the future contribution, I guess, because I'm helping other people learn how to use it. So on that hand, 
That's great. Uh, from a business perspective, I've been attending WordCamps since 2011, and I have been speaking at WordCamps since 2012. Uh, I have now branched beyond just WordCamps to other conferences and events, but because of all of this, because of all the people I've met, because of all the things I've taught, because of all the connections I've made, I would say 95% of all of my business is referral-based at this point, uh, usually from either somebody who directly saw me speak or was referred to by somebody else who saw me speak or saw me at an event or saw me teach something or met me somewhere. Uh, I will admit that it's it's not a scalable marketing strategy, like charming smiles don't really you know, expand beyond one person, but um, it's worked really, really well for me, and it fits really well with, again, my desire to remain an independent person. I am selling myself and my knowledge and my personality, and what better way to do that than to get up in front of a room of people, many of whom I don't know, and teach them something. Uh, I so in that sense, yeah, huge ROI. I feel that in the coming years and even shorter, maybe six, six months to a year, that a lot of us are, are pitching the same product or service, no matter how much we think it's different, you know, from the outside, uh, a potential customer hiring us or buying a product from us, they all think it's the same. They, you know, a lot of people are going to say, I, I can get web design from, from Michelle, I can get web design from Matt. But what's really going to separate us is the personality and that personal brand uh, behind it. Um, you know, and I think number one, you've done a, a fabulous job. You know, lining all those, lining the whole personal brand to company brand and and who you are and what you do in the space very well. You know, way better than I, I see a, a lot of other people doing it. But my thing is, is like this is the last thing that we all have uh, as business owners is our personalities and our and our personal brands. As much as you might hate the label, create a personal brand because it sort of goes to that whole like internet marketing thing. But to me, like I think if if you're not weaving in your personality, uh, what you stand for, and your mission, if you're not weaving that into the fabric of your business, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Where in a, in about a year's time from now. Anybody can pick out a web designer on the street, but if they don't connect with that person or they don't see who that person is behind the scenes, I mean, those are going to be huge deciding factors on whether or not they go with you. Do you feel like that's more so coming these days? It does in my mind. I'd be happy to hear what you think about that. I, I completely agree. We, we definitely can't sell ourselves on the scarcity of knowledge, especially in the open source space. I mean, the entire point of our product is that it's not scarce, it's available to everyone. And so really the differentiator is in service. And I don't mean the execution of building a thing, but I mean dealing with people. I think, I think all business is people at every scale uh, to some degree. And it's especially true in a space like client services where you're dealing one-on-one -on -one with people or your project managers dealing one-on-one -on -one with people or your developers dealing one-on-one -on -one with people, we all have to talk to each other. We all have to feel, we have to feel like we're respected by the client or the client has to feel like they're respected by us. We all have to feel like we're solving problems and doing something interesting. And I completely agree that the differentiator is not in what we do or even necessarily how we do it, but in who we are when we do it. Mm. That's, that's completely true. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I just got off the phone with a, uh, with a potential client for uh, my day job, which is at Pagely. And uh, this is actually the first time I've actually talked about <laughs> some of the inside stuff that I do at Pagely uh, on the show. But the uh, a customer said to me, say, how come you don't have this phone number that I can just call immediately and, and talk to you? And, you know, he was saying that hey, you guys are crazy for doing that, you know, not having this direct line where I can just immediate, uh, immediately call somebody for, for questions and answers at, at my, at, at whenever I want to, you guys are losing out on all kinds of sales, all of this stuff. Um, you know, and I had to sort of just slow down the customer and say, Hey, look, we're, we're just not for everybody. We're just not for everybody. And, and we are trying to, as a brand, sort of just emphasize that and say, look, we, you can just tell by our pricing. Number one, uh, we don't have any shared hosting. There's no $10 a month accounts here. So we're just not for everybody. And I feel like, I'm not just saying this because I'm part of the Pagely team now, but I feel like a lot of people would do much better <laughs> mentally and fiscally in their businesses if they chose customers and if they were a little bit more picky with the customers that they work with, and not just say yes to everything. Like, you have to qualify to do business with Michelle um, before Michelle will, will do work for you. Um, is that something that, that, that you've sort of sharpened over the years? Uh, is it something that you learned the, the hard way? Is it something that's an, an evolving process for you? What does that look like? It's, it's very true. And it's not in an elitist way where I'm better than any, right? Like that's not, that's not what it means at all. But I, what I do notice, I, one of the other things I do is I'm very involved in the AIGA, which is the American Institute of Graphic Artists. It's one of the largest graphic design organizations. And I am the AIGA Minnesota director of technology. So mostly that means I'm a glorified webmaster with voting privileges, but it's very, very cool because I get to shape, um, the perception of tech in the design space in the state of Minnesota. So that's pretty neat. Um, but one of the things I get to do is I get to interact with a lot of designers, especially a lot of younger designers who are very hungry to to get into the space. And a lot of them, you know, they deal with clients. Uh, they're getting started in the business. They're dealing with clients. And the clients, you know, maybe are questioning the worth of what they're doing or they're trying to nickel and dime them or they're trying to make all these horrible changes. And, and their gut reaction, and I used to have this reaction too, was like, oh, like I just... I just want to tell them that they're wrong and I just want to tell them to respect me and I just want to tell them to respect design and et cetera, et cetera. And, and now I'm kind of like, you know, okay, if you come to me for a project and you say, I want it for $500, I'll be like, that's great. Um, I'm not the person to do that for you. And I could tell you what you could do for $500. Either, you know, I could consult with you for a few hours and help you set something up or you could go to someone else, but I am not going to sit here and try to make you be my client, like try to convince you to raise your price or try to convince you to, you know, because that's, it's not worth trying to force someone to respect you. Like, why would you go into a relationship with someone where we're not on the same page to start with? You'll just fight the whole time. Right. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it seems so obvious <laughs> when you, when you look at it that way, uh, for sure. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with the fact that, um, you do want to kind of qualify who you're working with and find people that fit. I, I've kind of specialized, but it hasn't been by industry. It's been very, very much by personality type. I like to say that I work with people. I want to work with people who are passionate about what it is they're doing and they could get me excited about what they're doing and they could be a toothpaste cap manufacturer. But if they could talk to, to talk to me about toothpaste caps 
in a way where I am excited about toothpaste caps, then I would love to work with them and build their website. Um, it doesn't have to be glamorous. In fact, a lot of the non-glamorous sites are the ones that actually get the most benefit from somebody like me working with them. Um, but I do specialize in people that are passionate and people that get the value of what they're buying. So uh, for sure, specializing has been, we've, I mean, we've all learned it kind of the hard way with the people that wanted to undercut you or not respect you or whatever. But I feel like I learned this one kind of early and it's made me very happy. Uh, one of the things I, that I struggle with is, you know, if I, if I were consulting, uh, a business owner, especially, you know, what I'll say is like a traditional business owner, like somebody in your local market who doesn't really get things online, but they're ready, they're willing to invest, uh, you know, <laughs> they're willing to invest finally online, which is, you know, funny cause we're in the year 2018. Uh, but you know, you know, that, that type of avatar and you say, okay, well, you got to write an about page, right? Let's just start with that. You got to, you got to talk about your business. Yeah. You know, how, how are you perceiving yourself to the customer? And these people seem so just not driven to talk about their business. And I'm, and I'm so glad that you said you only work with people like that, but do you have any advice for people who might be like a little ho-hum about my business? Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, where's the passion in the, in the first place, you started this business because you were passionate about something. Where is it? Where did it go? Uh, any words of advice or is there any coaching you do for these types of people who just can't find a way to talk about themselves um, because they're either lost or just don't have it anymore? Yeah, I, um, I do have a worksheet that I used to give to people when I was doing a lot more branding work. Um, and one of the questions on there was, how would you want someone else to describe your business? Like if someone else was talking about your business to somebody, like what would you want them to say about you? Um, because that's a different way of thinking about it, right? That's like an outside way of thinking about it. And you might get some more interesting adjectives there. Uh, another way is actually oftentimes people have an easier time knowing who they're not than who they are if they can't think. Like I use the same technique when I'm trying to decide where to eat with people and we don't know where we want to eat. So I'll be like, okay, what food don't we want? you know let's start there um because sometimes it's easier to identify what, what you're not than what you are if you're really struggling to talk about what you are so between uh asking people to talk about how they want other people to talk about them asking people to talk about but what are you definitely not we can start to have a conversation more about who they are so little tip i guess one of, one of the things i'm curious about is what what what's what's the word on the street, Michelle? When you go to these when you go to these word camps, are people and are there other freelancers, even small agencies, are they are are you getting a feeling that a lot of people are are getting the whole um, you know WordPress is a leading feature for myself? Like are are people going out and saying, hey, we do WordPress design, or are are you finding that people are focusing much more on here's my Here's the perfect customer for me. Uh, here's how I here's how I approach them. Here's how I market to them, and here's how I support to them. Um, are you finding? I guess the the simpler question is: Are you finding people really getting it and really fine tuning their business now, or do you still see people painting broad brushstrokes uh, with as many word camps that you go to today? Sure. I mean, obviously, the interesting thing about word camps is that it brings together people from different levels of experience. So you still see that level of, of new business person that 
is still trying to figure it out. And then you see people that are just multi-year seasoned and, and they've got an entirely different perspective. I will say, uh, I know a few years ago, it was a lot more common to lead with the WordPress and then here's the stuff that I do with that. Um, nowadays, it's a little more of a given. I mean, it, it powers 30% of the internet now, so it's kind of assumed that you probably should have some experience with WordPress if you're doing kind of small to mid-sized website design at this point. Um, granted, WordCamps are a little bit of a bias source for whether or not people are trying to sell on True. the basis of WordPress. <laughs> True. Maybe a little. Um, but, but even at, at other tech events or other things, I think people are, are talking less about the platform and more about the problem solving. I mean, again, that's kind of like a, a sales thing. Like you don't talk about the features of your hammer. You talk about the hole in the wall it'll make or whatever. I think right. it's actually supposed to be a drill, but whatever. Right. <laughs> um, Wrong product, way, same statement. It's in the wall. They both do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think people are talking more about the, the hole than the drill at this point, which is good because, you know, clients don't care about the drill. They care about the hole. And I'm seeing more of that at most levels, which I think is good. I'll hit you with the big, heavy question, and uh, that is of, of of WordPress itself, right? The uh, upcoming release of uh, Gutenberg and sort of integrating this uh, builder-like solution uh, into it uh, and, and natively. And then there's all of these other you know, sort of page builder solutions, the beaver builders, the, uh, the elementors of the world. And then, then there's like themes and themes, theme options. Some of the options that these themes provide that are outside of, of page building. Uh, how do you corral this or, and especially with upcoming, uh, Gutenberg, how do you corral this into your setting of expectations to the customer, what they can, what they can't do? Uh, do you not even sort of you know, bring that up in, in conversation? Uh, do you sort of just let the design uh, discovery for the design piece of your project sort of dictate uh, the, the tools that you're, you're going to use? How do you keep people sort of, you know, expecting what WordPress can do, but not more than, you know, maybe what you're willing to, to go into, like heavy development, uh, you know, giving a customer a page builder? How do you corral all sure. this stuff? Yeah. So kind of getting, so instead of talking about, I have, I have opinions on a lot of specific features, right? Like Gutenberg, like page builders, like stuff like that. But instead of talking about features, the problem that they're all trying to solve is this balance between um, a client wanting to have control over the content that they're publishing and the speed and efficiency of the code that exists and the design and branding of the site. There's these three, there's probably more, but those are kind of three big buckets. And all of those things, theme options and themes and page builders and Gutenberg and everything, um, are all trying to solve that balance in different ways. Uh, for me, as a personal philosophy, I have bought into modular design concepts a long time ago when I first read about, um, you know, atomic design and stuff like that by Brad Frost. It made a lot of sense to me, you know, repeatable design patterns, much like repeatable code, you know, reuse things and, and modularize things when possible. 
So I have been implementing solutions for my clients using a, a highly custom theme system that I built on top of advanced custom fields um, to enable my clients to build long form content, build pages, build stuff. Uh, so they have control over their content, but so they're not going as far as a page builder where they have to make decisions about padding and colors and margins and stuff that I, I don't think they really have any business thinking about. Like their job should be think about content and the most compelling way to present their content. My job should be worrying about how all those different patterns lay out on a page. And WordPress's job should be to make all of that fairly easy to find and easy to work with. Um, WordPress and the tools we use on top of WordPress. That said, you know the what I mean. What I've done is is good, but it's still confusing. I mean, it's been confusing for my clients to have to go here to deal with widgets and here to deal with menus and here to deal with it. as much as I can try to to make it simple for them. It, it is a little weird. I I love as a concept what Gutenberg is doing. As a developer, I'm watching it very carefully because I'm realizing I have to learn 5 million new technologies just to keep doing my same job, which is super fun. Uh, that's fine. Technology changes. Uh, but as a, as a concept, I mean, it, it plays right into the whole concept of, of modular design and giving clients control over content while letting theme authors control design. And I like that. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm watching that fairly carefully. It's really cool to see stuff like um, Gravity Forms and WooCommerce and uh, Advanced Custom Fields all talking about how they're integrating with it uh, and various other ones. Those are just ones off the top of my head. I know there's many other companies that are working on solutions with Gutenberg. Um, what, what about Michelle, the, the business owner? Michelle, the one who has to deal with uh, client questions. What are your concerns for upcoming you know, Gutenberg where maybe over time you sort of uh, siloed your customer away from uh, the page builder type solutions or even maybe even some of the options that you bake into your theme that you just, you know, you don't need the customer to see it because they just don't need to be playing around with that stuff. But then here we go with Gutenberg, and now this stuff is uh, native to the app. What is that? How does that make you feel, or how are you preparing to support that transition with your customers? Well, um, from what I can tell, Gutenberg's interface itself is going to be highly customizable. I know there's going to be a transition of this looks different, but I feel like between the fact that Advanced Custom Fields has been doing a lot of work for Gutenberg compatibility, which is mostly what my clients use. And the fact that, uh, you know, watching the demo at WordCamp US, watching a bunch of the articles and stuff that people have been writing on Gutenberg, um, will have abilities to, you know, get rid of some default modules or create custom blocks or whatever. I, I think that it won't be as frightening as, as we all kind of think it is. Um, I feel like there's still going to be the opportunity to not have people be able to customize things we don't want them to customize and to have their customization experience feel a lot more native. Right now, what we can do with advanced custom fields is great, but still feels very boxy and hard to read. In, like The user interface is, is as good as it can be for what it is, but it, it, it could be better. 
and I, I have like a lot of faith, like I have a lot of optimism that, that it, from a design perspective, um, that it could be good. Again, from a developer perspective, I am having a wait and see, let's see how much it actually breaks things, um, right? But from a design perspective, I am super optimistic and excited. And I think that that overlaps with my business owner perspective because all of this is me trying to solve my clients' problems. And uh, I mean, there may be super older sites that I've worked on that might need a lot of work to be brought up to date, but they're also super older and probably need a lot of work to be brought up to date anyway. Uh, and I, I can't speak to the enterprise side of this, but in the space that I'm in, I think it's actually going to be great. So um, I hope I'm right. Where, where do you see WordPress uh, sort of as a solution evolving to over the course of, well, let's just say like when Gutenberg is fully baked in, do you really see WordPress, you know, drawing the line in the sand saying, well, we're just a, we're just a, you know, a real blogging platform now. Like we are, we're about, you know, maybe publishing content, be it a blog or, or long form or, you know, I guess pages and cataloging to a degree, but do you, do you kind of see it losing its sort of true essence of, um, well, maybe a, a flexible app building platform or a true content management system or a multi-site solution. You start to see it, it, it really lose those types of identities and really just becoming uh, a blogging platform. Not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are. If, if this is like really drawing the line in the sand of what it's going to be for the future. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. And again, it's really going to depend on the execution, but I see it as like a broad adoption of a lot of atomic design principles. Like we, instead of shoehorning a bunch of things into the way it works now, if everything on a site becomes more abstracted into blocks and reusable components and modular code, that's so much more interesting to me because that's kind of how the code is written in the first place, right? I mean, and and now we're we're making that visually accessible instead of just compartmentalized into a lot of different places. Uh, it it could end up just being focused on the content, and and I don't know though. I I again as a long long time Atomic Design fan, I see this as making stuff like atomic design, modular design, reusable components, much more universally accessible across a whole site. What types of skills do you think um, today's freelance, if somebody's, if somebody's jumping into, hey, I, I want to be a consultant, I want to be a freelancer. By the way, what title do you like better? Do you like freelancer or consultant? What's your, um, what's your take on that? I usually just use the word independent. Okay. I'm an independent, whatever. Um, I do consulting work and I do freelance work and I do contract work and I do, I don't know, micro agency work. Uh, so I just say I'm independent. Kind of all Interesting. Encompassing. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, so if somebody's going to be an independent in this space, what are the major skill sets they should really focus on uh, to be successful today if they're just launching their, their practice? Sure. Well, I mean, I think it kind of depends on what they want to be. I mean, are they going more the strategy side where they want to specialize in content, maybe knowing more about marketing, social, SEO, 
that side of things, entirely different set of skills uh, than what I do day to day, which is, you know, bury my face in code and occasionally come up for air inside a design program. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it really depends on what they want to do. If they want to do what I'm doing, um, I mean, you have to be a pretty proficient front-end developer. I, I've been able to get away with having mediocre JavaScript knowledge, but obviously WordPress is moving more and more into JavaScript, and so that's more and more important to be pretty good at it. Um, there, I feel like there's going to be less of a role for the, the configurer or the integrator as a primary job source. Um, I think if you're doing that, you're probably also going to be needing more like content or strategy or marketing skills or something more than just helping implement sites because I think it's going, people want more complex solutions that are easier and it's going to be harder as a configurer to find those things that work well and don't frustrate your client with the experience of using WordPress. Um, so maybe that's not a path that's going to have a lot of future, I don't think. And, and, and that's what specifically because WordPress itself is getting more, you know, I guess we'll call it user-friendly and, and plugins and themes are getting more user-friendly where these folks who might hire somebody to build a sub $5,000 website might be doing it just on their own now because of the, because of the accessibility of these tools. I mean, I'd also say if, if you're going to be a configurer, you have to be an expert at not only what exists, but what is the best version of each thing that exists and how to make it play nice with each other. And that's kind of why I feel like it's not really going to be a real job because even when I'm picking tools that I know are written by people that I personally can vouch that their code is good and I know that it's written extensively and I know that I, I'm, they probably are still only getting 90% of the way there and I'm usually responsible for writing that other 10%. Um, when people need to hire somebody else to build the site, it's usually more complicated than just setting up pages and posts and stuff. It's usually like, I need an events management system. I need an e-commerce system. I need this thing that talks to this other thing that talks to this other thing. And that's going to be a lot harder for, I think, a configuring person to help someone with. I think if, if you don't want coding skills, and you don't have to have coding skills to be a professional, um, you definitely want really solid content strategy skills or marketing skills or SEO skills or something else to bring to the table um, besides just a general knowledge of WordPress. One of the, I'm curious to get your, uh, your take on, on, on uh, how you present this uh, to a potential customer. So that, that 10% right there, right? That 10 or 20%, you know, WordPress itself with a bunch of plugins, it does 80% of what the customer is looking for. And then you have to go in and, and code that 20%. Um, I was talking to people the other day, they have a fairly sizable uh, WordPress uh, multi-site installation. It does, you know, it's WooCommerce. It's, uh, there's a, a page builder built in, Beaver Builder. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, they're pushing you know, they're just really using it. Like it's, it's, it's working as a business engine for them. People are booking times and buying products. The site's making money, but, uh, you know, it uses a bunch of plugins to get the job done. 
I mean, WooCommerce, along with its add-ons, you know, is a whole bunch right there. There's there's Beaver Builder and some of the add-ons is a whole bunch there. Then there's just core SEO plugins, you know, all the general stuff that you use. Uh, and at the end of the day, it adds up to a, you know, a boatload of plugins. I don't know what the exact number is. Uh, that particular customer was concerned like, hey, WordPress update came out. Then a WooCommerce update came out. And then there was a, a an add-on that they, a WooCommerce add-on that they really rely on it sort of lagged behind. It needed to update in order to to keep up with the WooCommerce updates that have been pushing out uh, pretty rapidly lately. Um, and then there's a concern, like, boy, you know, wh- why why are why is this always this conflict, right? Why why do we always have these conflicts with these with these plugins and these core pieces of code? And what the customers don't realize is these are all individual, either people or companies, all building their pieces of software. And we're just happen to be gluing them all together, or this company happens to be gluing them all together to make them all work, t- you know, together. How do you position that? Like, how do you present that to the customer and say, hey, this isn't just one piece of software that you're getting from one company. This is a whole bunch of people. Things can be going in a whole bunch of directions. How do you sort of talk them down off of that, off of that uh, ledge of expectation, like everything should just work seamlessly? Well, first of all, I will say that I, I, empathize, I empathize with their frustration because from the experience of a person who owns a website, um, that component of working with open source software really sucks. Um, because you do have this uncertainty, you do have this, I don't know if this thing I'm using is going to be updated, I don't know if this thing I'm using is going to break, I don't know if this thing I'm integrating with this other thing is gonna keep working, I don't know if this custom code that my developer wrote is going to keep working. Uh, we all don't know. I mean, that's that is kind of the super downside of of this like super agile open source space. It just is. It's the flip side of all of the the free, accessible, innovative stuff. Is that it all kind of is on its own schedules and it may break. Um, so one thing I do say first of all is always having a staging environment somewhere for testing. I also usually recommend if there's anything complicated that they either retain me to do updates or or, or a maintenance company or something, somebody that can troubleshoot it if something does break. Um, But yeah, I also explained to them that that's a little bit of kind of how open source works. You get this awesome core software for free. I mean, we've, we've paid for some licenses for some more advanced plugins, obviously. Um, but we've got this core software that is maintained by lots of people that is free, and that's awesome. And it's a lot cheaper than going with some big enterprise-level solution, right? So you you can do a lot of things more accessibly. We've got some stuff from some very reputable companies or companies that we know are going to be around probably for a while, people like you know, Rocket Genius or Modern Tribe or, or Automatic, you know, we know that they'll be around for a while maintaining their products, keeping up with, uh, and and so I, I recommend their plugins saying these are highly likely going to keep working with WordPress. And then as we go further out on the long tail, it's like, okay, we might be able to find like this niche thing that does this one thing you want, but as we go further out on the long tail, as I'm less and less sure whether that plugin author is keeping pulse on on what WordPress is doing, that's the risk that I talk to them about. And that's, I think part of my value is, is just being able to help them navigate the five bajillion things that exist that you can <laughs> do. Right. And being yeah. like, okay, I know these people, 
um, care and they're going to keep maintaining stuff. Or I know these people have responsive support if that's what you need. I know these people um, keep very much up to date with the latest version of WordPress and there will always be fixes out. You know, uh, that's part of the value I can provide as a as a front end developer uh, since I'm not writing them myself. I'm, I'm yeah, writing the theme. I'm not writing the plugins. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think as as much as it pains us, you know, to to look at it in in this light, I think, you know, at least for this particular conversation that I had uh, recently, is people just look at it as as free, um, and I guess well, one, they don't appreciate what really goes into it, which I don't know if that's really their fault because. I mean, how many like, you know, business owners uh, who are, you know, selling products online and stuff like that really understand, you know, what it takes to, you know, they, they, they think that it's just point and click with web development. So, you know, God knows what they don't realize is actually going into building this, this piece of software that's been in, in existence now for forever um, and powers 30% of the web. Um, but they look at it as, um, I think, unfortunately, uh, as a way of... Uh, getting away with something for free, you know, to a degree where it's just like, well, this shouldn't cost me a lot. I like this because it's, it's, you know, allegedly it's free and I can go and get all these things together. And they sort of get mad when they think that the price of supporting this, of supporting an open source piece of software is going to go up versus had they turned to like, I don't know, Oracle or, you know, something like uh, Magento or something like that. I don't even know if that's still in existence, but I, I think it is. Uh, you know, with, with, or Acquia, right? Drupal, Acquia. Sure. Like if you're going right to the source, you're not going to get away with a $20,000, you know, e-commerce project with these people. You're going to get away with a $200,000 if you're right. lucky. Um, <laughs> and then sell you and sell you on top of that licensing and, and support contracts. I know people in the .NET world, um, that, uh, an agency that charges people like a hundred thousand dollars just to make the website go live. Like it's in production. I mean, it's in development and it's going into production on a weekend. And they've, they've told me stories that they charge big clients a hundred grand just to push the button live. Um, this is not usually the case in the WordPress world. You don't hear about those types of stories back then or uh, about that kind of thing. And it's just crazy to me that some people just don't see what it really costs to run a site at scale. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, I don't know what goes into running their business either, the, the business right. owner that I'm working with. And I don't expect them to understand the inner workings of the magic box necessarily. I just expect them to respect and trust that I'm, I'm going to, I have their best interests at heart and I want to help them understand it to the capacity that they can run their business. I don't know. I'm very, I'm very empathetic towards the lack of knowledge. Um, because I realize that we all kind of don't know what we don't know until we're exposed to it. And as long as they don't use that lack of knowledge to try to bully me into doing something, then it's fine. If they're like, I don't know how this works. You're telling me it works like this. Awesome. I trust you. What should we do? Then cool. That's a, still a great working relationship in my opinion. Yeah. Now that I have two kids, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting open-minded like that as well. <laughs> I'm starting to see both sides, uh, uh, both sides of the fence a little bit clearer. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, one final question. One of the things that are really getting you excited about uh, either your business or 
hopefully the growth of this uh, economy in general? What are the things that you see on uh, the six months or a year from now that you're really excited about either positioning yourself to take advantage of or uh, WordPress economy in general is starting to, to move f- towards? Well, one thing that's been in the back of my mind for a little while that I want to put a lot more serious thought into this year is is things that I can do on more of a consultancy level. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of what I do, which I enjoy, is is trading hours for dollars, but obviously that's only as scalable as your hours. Um, so I've started talking with a few really smart people about how I can take some of the things I've been passionate about that I've been giving away for free, like teaching developers and designers to work together, teaching people how to manage projects from a holistic perspective, stuff like that, um, and maybe turn that into something more compelling and revenue generating. Um, So that might be interesting. I haven't figured out where that's going yet, but it would be awesome to take some of those passion reasons of why I'm in the space and turn that into an actual product. Um, I feel like that's what business people do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah what what, what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on on that on product is is this something like you're starting to to i don't want to you know i don't mean this in a bad way but like hop on the the trend of of productized service um is that something that like is that something that you're sort of chasing the productized service and and what are your thoughts in that realm i haven't wanted to do it because i hadn't found something i was passionate about like i don't want to do something for the sake of doing it because it's a lot of there's such, no such thing as passive income like it's right. you still have to you have to maintain it and make it valuable and worthwhile and and do things and and so far nothing has been interesting but um some ideas that I've been talking about with people lately have been a lot more compelling and if there's if there's a way that the the information that I already find myself providing um that's seems to add value. If there's a way that I can package that into something that can generate revenue, then awesome because it adds value and I can make money. So those are two good things. Um, but I, I don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. So that's why I haven't yet because nothing's been compelling, but we'll see. Michelle, it's been a pleasure having this conversation with you. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Um, I am Marketime Media basically everywhere. So that's M-A-R-K-T-I-M-E Media, uh, pretty much every social platform. Or my uh, personal website is mynameismichelle.com. Nice. What's You probably get sick of this question. What's the next WordCamp you're going to? What are the next seven WordCamps you're going to? <laughs> well, I am going, I am going to Miami. I guess that's next weekend already. Yep. Um, that'll be really fun. And after that, it's, it's a little bit up in the air. I have a few regular ones that I'm eyeballing, but, um, nothing officially announced yet. So, uh, hopefully I'll see, see people around. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody else is MattReport.com. MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list is the number one way to stay connected. If you have a moment, go ahead and leave us a five-star review uh, on iTunes. It really helps us get found. Every podcaster under the sun says that, but it's true. Uh, it really helps us uh, sort of rank up on iTunes. It makes us feel good, too. Uh, it's, you can search for us on, on iTunes, Matt Report, or WordPress Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking around and listening to this episode and supporting the Matt Report. For over five years now, it's been a pleasure of mine. It was a pleasure to have this guest on today to talk about... Uh, their business and how they run it. Speaking of business, 
if you have something you're launching, you have a new website, a new marketing page, a new product, anything that could use a second set of eyes, you can find me at userfeedbackvideos.com. That's userfeedbackvideos.com where I will review your product, your landing page, your funnel, whatever workflow or starting point you want me to take a look at online. I'll do that, I'll record it, I'll send it to you in a private screencast with my feedback. Uh, from over a decade of experience in this space, marketing, technology, WordPress, and otherwise. I hope to see you there. It's userfeedbackvideos.com. It's like having a co-founder for 59 bucks.